You Albion calling. You Albion calling. Good evening. My name is Theodore Pilkington Rhubarb, and you are listening to the ARC Light Program. Now, coming up rather swiftly, one hopes, is the concluding part of our whodunit. The Admiral Sherman solves another case, which, if you recall, left our eponymous hound dressed as a raggedy cat, awaiting mischievous machinations at the midnight hour in a haunted house. But first, it's time once again for that seminal radiophonic success... Mabel, you might be able to write this garbage, but really, how do you expect anyone to say it? The listener's telephone-in quiz. Can you guess what it is that I'm describing? It works thus. I will describe something, and if you can guess what it is at first time of asking, you will win three shillings. After that, it gets even less interesting, if you can believe that. Ah, well, this is bordering on excitement. Can this be an actual listener calling in? Ahoy, hoy! This is the Albion Radiophonic Corporation. Theodore speaking. Good day to you, listener. Are you ready to play? Can you guess what it is that I'm describing? Theodore, is that you? Uh, Mumsy, is that you? I'm speaking to you on the telephone. I'm aware of this, Mother. I'm listening to you on the same. I'm afraid I can't speak to you right now. I'm trying to do this telephone-in quiz malarkey that's so far proving to be less than overwhelming. What are you all about? The listener's telephone-in quiz. Uh, You have to guess what it is that I'm describing and try to win up to three shillings. Three shillings, indeed. Well, now I see why you're trying to get your poor mother off the line. It wouldn't do for me to win it rather than one of your precious listeners. Well, no actual listeners have taken part so far, Mother. But unfortunately, your slandering of me is not going to make any difference. You are unable to take part. Why on earth not? I'm sure I'd win it with one guess. Well, as I explained to Urban Trousers only two shows ago... The listener's quiz is not open to employees of ARC or... How very dare you! I'm no one's employee. I'm the one who does the employing in this household. Uh, Of course, Mumsy. But if you let me finish, it's not open to employees or their family members. Well, that's a stupid rule. (sighs) You may well be right, Mumsy, but it's not me that makes the rules around here. No, that's painfully obvious. To think your father and I thought we'd raised a man, not a mouse. Really, Bubsy, there's no need to be rude. That's just the way things work around here. Well, don't I just do it? They've got you right under the thumb. Oh, the shame of it. I have to lie at the WI, you know. I tell them you're head of gynaecology at the Metropolis Royal. It's far less embarrassing. (laughs) Well, why on earth would you do that, Bubsy? Wait a minute, though. Are you implying that no one at all at the WI listens to my show? Uh, none at all, fortunately. Oh, no wonder the ratings are so terrible. Yeah, I can think of a few other reasons. Anyway, I've no idea why you're being so precious about your little quiz. After all, I'm not your real mother, you know. What? Uh, yes, sorry, dear. Uh, I've been meaning to tell you, but it was never the right time. I, I, I don't know what to say. So, 
Can I play your quiz or not? Have, have a little respect, Mumsy. I've just found out I'm not who I think I am. No, oh, if only that were true. But the, why did you ring anyway, Mumsy, if I could still call you that? No, stop being so melodramatic. I'll always be your Mumsy, worse luck. I just wanted to find out what you wanted for supper. Oh, well, I'm somewhat in shock. Uh, so perhaps you'd cook me my favourite meal to cheer me up. And what would that be? Oh, Bubsy, you know that I like steak and kidney pudding more than anything. Really? We're having faggots. Now please ask me this question. I could do with three shillings to go towards my gin fund. <sighs> well, I suppose I have no choice. Very well, for the sake of a happy household, to win three shillings. Let's play. Can you guess what it is that I'm describing? Oh, do get on with it. The faggots are burning. <sighs> Whilst visiting me on a farm, watch out. Your trousers may come to harm. Is it a goat? Um, yes. It seems that it is. You've actually won the three shillings. Told you so. Right, goodbye, Theodore. Do try and come in quietly. Oh, and buck up. It can't be all that bad. Goodbye, Mumsy. Well, on that bombshell, and whilst I go and lie in a darkened room for the rest of my life, it's time for Slumber Time Stories. ALC presents part two of Admiral Sherman Solves Another Case, or The Mystery of the Missing Missive, by Darren Callow. Maybe two, maybe three hours later, the doctor was still wide awake and fidgeting nervously with his woolen blankets, prepared at any second to haul them over his eyes should any apparition appear. In truth, the room had been fairly quiet since the Admiral's return, and despite the itchy, the cat outfit she was still required to wear, she had slept soundly since then, without so much as a murmur. It was probably getting on for three o' the clock when a sudden ticking and clicking noise from somewhere near the strange timepiece on the wall caused the doctor's hackles to rise sharply. Oh, my goodness, muttered the good doctor under his breath. What, what strange ghouls are awakening? He whimpered further. Were those just clanking pipes he could hear? Or the rattling chains of hell? His mind was racing with fearsome imagery. But the Admiral did not stare. Then, as no further noises came, the Doctor was just about to relax when out of the corner of his eye he noticed, with rising alarm, a piece of paper was making its way steadily across the floor. No obvious mechanism could be seen in the flickering half-light, and the Doctor was beginning to convince himself it was just being moved by a breeze from the fireplace when it made a sharp right turn and continued in a dead straight line, right past the Admiral's quietly snuffling nose. This was more than the good doctor could take. With a loud cry of anguish, he threw himself from the bed and raced in a mad panic from the room. Ghouls! Ghosts! Haunted paper! He screamed, waking all and sundry with his mad yelling. Very much shaken and indeed stirred, the butler and the lady minister 
still in her dressing gown, rushed to find out the source of the hullabaloo. Thankfully, for the Admiral at least, Major Blaze did not awaken. When they had all finally arrived back at the study, and the Admiral had been roused with much shaking, it was found that the paper had mysteriously vanished, and no further evidence of paranormal activity could be detected. The Admiral seemed entirely nonplussed, and after a terse discussion it was agreed that the Admiral would retain the vigil whilst the Doctor would be allowed to sleep in the guest bedroom. It was deemed to be for the best, but still more than a little perturbed, the Doctor did not manage a great deal of sleep. The next day, following a hearty breakfast, the motley crew were summoned by the Admiral to return to the scene of the crime, and it seemed a reasonable assumption that the solution to the mystery was about to be revealed. Doctor, what's that? Somewhat tired, but glad that he had survived the night unmolested by further satanic stationery, recounted his nighttime encounter to the Admiral in great detail whilst they awaited the arrival of the others. As she pretended to listen, a slight smirk spread across her hairy muzzle. Well, I don't know what you're grinning about, muttered the Doctor as he concluded his tale. You're still dressed as an oversized stuffed cat, you know. And he was indeed right. But this was just as well, as first to arrive was the Lady Minister of Particularly Ticklish Foreign Affairs, wheeling her elderly father, the dreaded Major, in a rickety metal wheelchair before her. Who the hell are you? he yelled fearsomely, brandishing his stick and gazing at each in turn with his one good eye. He seemed ready to offer further inquisition, until said eye fell upon the Admiral, trying to make herself look as small and cat-like as possible, in her terrible feline costume. No, he muttered, a note of joviality entering his tone. Who's this lovely pussy? Here, pussy, pussy. The Admiral's eyes went as wide as anyone had ever seen, but further embarrassment was spared by the noisy entry of the butler clearing his throat in a melodramatic manner. <coughs> it seems... The Admiral has a visitor, he announced sceptically. But before anyone could inquire further, an eccentric character in tails, top hat and clockwork monocle came striding into the study. Professor Clatterbang at your service, he preempted the gawping-mouthed butler. Got your message, Admiral? Uh, hope I'm not too late. Nice to be back at the old homestead. Much missed, much missed. Relieved to have a bigger distraction in the room than herself, the Admiral's eyes returned to their usual wideness, and she raised one eyebrow to the Professor. Professor? interrupted the Lady Minister. To what do we owe this great pleasure? She glanced anxiously from the Professor to the dog, and then back again. You haven't stolen the missing letter, have you? Stolen? Letter? exclaimed the professor. I really, really wouldn't think so. Then why are you here? The lady minister was beginning to lose patience with the day's proceedings. Ah, stepped in Dr. What's that? As the proverbial penny was beginning its descent. I expect the professor is here as he is in some way able to explain the missing missive. Isn't that right, Admiral? The dog-cat hybrid appeared fairly pleased with this observation. And as everybody watched, and the Major drooled slightly, 
she made her way first to the strange timepiece on the wall, then to some odd holes set low in the skirting board in the corner of the room. She sniffed loudly and then looked towards the professor. What's that? You think my, my, my mechanism has something to do with your mystery? Ah, ah wait, wait, missing letter, you say? Mm. The minister and the admiral nodded enthusiastically in agreement. Ah, you know, I, I, I'd quite forgotten about this, but now you've reminded me I expect you'd like a little demonstration. Before anyone could inquire further as to what the Pilkington rhubarb he was on about, he looked around for a prop and seized, without really thinking about it, the first bit of paper he could see on the nearby desk and crumpled it up into a ball. No, no, look here explained the lady minister, taking her turn to be wide-eyed. Those are important state papers. He ignored her completely, and throwing the paper on the floor, moved over to the odd-looking clock in the wall. Now, then, ah, I see you've wound up my TTT timing mechanism, he said, presumably to the butler, while squinting to take in the position of the clock hands and settings of the dials. "'Timing mechanism?' asked the doctor, becoming increasingly interested and wondering if he should start taking some notes. "'Yes, yes!' he squinted again. "'Timing mechanism, indeed!' And with that he reached out one bony finger and whizzed the minute hand around until he heard a click and a slight bong. "'No, that's, that's the noise from last night!' exclaimed Dr. What's that? But his statement of the obvious was cut mercifully short, as without warning, a small portion of the skirting board shuffled upwards, and from various little holes around the room, tiny robots whizzed out and across the floor. As all those present watched, they quickly scooted over the shack pile until the first one found the crumpled paper. Then, with incredible efficiency, they all converged and seized the paper with tiny pincers and moved in a dead straight line back towards the hole in the skirting board where they promptly disappeared. Paper, robots, and all. The professor clapped his hands with glee. Ah, these still work? Ooh, one of my finest inventions. Oh, I'd quite forgotten. At this point, the doctor glanced wryly at the admiral, who was looking really rather pleased with herself. Tee, 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 teeny, tiny, tidy bots, exclaimed the professor, who was now foaming slightly at the mouth. Meant to tell you, oh, honest, uh, too complicated to move. But if you wind the mechanism up, you've only yourself to blame. So, interrupted the lady minister, holding up her hand to silence the bonkers inventor. Are you telling me that your tiny robot housemaids have dumped my internationally sensitive correspondence in the garbage? She sounded not at all thrilled by the possibility. With this accusation, the Admiral, still encumbered by her terribly ill-fitting catsuit, trotted over to where a series of letter-sized alcoves were set in the wall near the desk. She sniffed furiously amongst the filed missives and then gently pulled out a single letter from one of the slots with her teeth. She trotted over to the Lady Minister, who carefully took the envelope from her mouth and glanced over it urgently. A relieved smile spread over her face, and it seemed the letter had been found. Uh, 
Not in the bin? No. Oh, dearie me, no. Filed, filed, you know. I'm not a Philistine. What do you think those pigeonholes were for anyway? muttered the professor to no one in particular. All eyes by this point were on the admiral, who it seemed had solved another case with aplomb. Well done, Admiral, congratulated the Lady Minister, and all present nodded their respect, with the exception of the Major, who, attempting to wheel his rickety wheelchair towards the hound, muttered only, Eh, beautiful pussy, come to the Major so I can tickle your ears. With this, the Admiral left the room as though someone had set fire to her tail, with the Major wheeling frantically in hot pursuit. Well, that's wrapped that up nicely, boomed Dr. Wasat. Another case solved. Oh, what to do with the rest of the day? Anyone fancy catching a spot of quad cricket? He glanced around the ensemble hopefully, but it seemed that all of a sudden everyone had something really rather important to do, and one after the other they made their excuses and left. Uh, typical, muttered the good doctor. Just typical. And indeed, it very much was. Well, that's cheered me up a little. At least that story turned out all right. Well, good night, New Albion. I wish you dreams of a bright future. Stories, Voices and Characters, created by and copyright to Darren Callow. All music by Charlotte Savigar. Tales of New Albion is available to buy from Amazon online stores or via Bandcamp, where the album is also available. For more information, go to www.talesofnewalbion.com or search for Tales of New Albion on Facebook. Tales of New Albion is a Monkey Teaspoon production for Albion Radiophonic Corporation.